All right, we're here with another episode of Does It Hold Up? I'm here with my brother, Matt. Matt, how are you? Uh, you know, Jeff, I'm okay. How are you? I'm, I'm, you know, all things considered, I'm doing pretty well. I'm doing pretty, yeah. pretty well. Um, but we're here talking about GoldenEye, the 1995 yes. Bond movie, the first installment of Pierce Brosnan's portrayal of James Bond, and, uh... I've got some strong opinions on it, and I think I'm in the minority. Uh, but Matt, uh, how, what were your initial thoughts of it? And you know, do you want to do the recap, or do you want me to do the recap? I know this is a sore point on who does the recap, so you tell me. I, I think I got this. Um, so Goldeneye is, uh, as Jeff said, the it is actually the 17th film in the James Bond series. And the first one starring Pierce Brosnan taking over from uh, Timothy Dalton. Uh, this is actually, I think, the biggest gap between Bond movies. It, I think it was like five or six years between Goldeneye, the, the previous one, which was License to Kill, I think. That's uh, correct. Yeah, Timothy yeah, Dalton's License second to Kill. Film. Yeah, yeah it, was a, it was a six-year gap between License to Kill and Goldeneye. So this was very much let's reinvent bond for the nineties kind of a thing. Um, after a pretty abysmal drop in quality, you know, cause before Dalton, there was Roger Moore and his movies. I think, I feel like they, you know, started out good, but then increasingly got sillier. Um, so this is them, I think trying to, trying to bring a, a new, like kind of fresh, kind of more serious, uh, approach to the material. Um, and my opinion, I mean, this movie was, I think was my introduction to James Bond. I think it was for you too. Um, was it came out in 95 when uh, I was 10. So that, uh, this was, this was, you know, Pierce Brosnan was kind of my first bond and my introduction to the whole franchise and character. And then after that, I remember get, seeing all the other movies and I was kind of obsessed with them for a little while. Um, yeah, we both were. We watched we watched tons of these yeah. movies all the way back to the you know the original Sean Connery Doctor No set through That's right. Roger Moore and then all the way up to uh, to uh, Brosnan. That's right. And uh, yeah, and I remember seeing this in the theater, and I remember loving it. And I gotta say, it held up for me. I really enjoyed it. I think this is. I, you know, apart from just, I think, enjoying it, I also, I, I, I think this is one of the better Bond movies, I think. All right. We're going to have a disagreement here, but I, 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 oh boy. Uh, um, I'm, I may be, uh, succumbing now to, <laughs> to, I don't want to say peer pressure because it's not like anyone's talked to me about it, but just me reading everyone's opinion of this movie. I think maybe I'm in the, the distinct minority of it, um, in in many regards but why don't you what what happens in this movie i mean it, it oh i skipped over the plot we, well, skip, we, we skipped over the plot what 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 happened in the movie uh, basically in this one he's there he's they're trying to get um the russians are trying to get their hands on this uh kind of new state-of-the-art nuclear weapon uh, codenamed Goldeneye, which is the, 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 as we talked about earlier, this is the MacGuffin of the movie. Goldeneye is the MacGuffin. Right. Yes. Uh, I'm, well, now I know this word. I can use it now. The MacGuffin. Yeah. Yes. I know yep. what you're talking about. There you go. And so, yeah. So basically, everyone's trying to get their hands on this Goldeneye, and he's, and, you know, and he shoots a lot of people and has sex with a lot of women and spreads lots of diseases and, uh, you know, typical he's, James Bond. He's stuff. James Bond. Yeah, um, <laughs> giving STDs to everyone. Yes. Um, uh, I, I, you know, let's get into it. I mean, yeah, because it's a, it's yeah, a, it's what's, just a. It's I, a I'm a, sensing you have a very different opinion. I, I don't know like that it, to hear it. Yeah, I, I do. Um, but I'm, I'm starting to realize that I may that how much in the minority I am. I mean, I. I absolutely love the Daniel Craig versions 
of mm-hmm. Bond, and and I think it's oh, yeah. because he's not what the stereotypical Bond is in those right. films, and and Brosnan, I think, is does a wonderful job of portraying James Bond the way I think he was originally just um, thought of to be played is this kind of very debonair suave. I think I would argue physically he's like the most perfect looking bond in terms of like he, I watching it. I felt like he Pierce Brosnan feels kind of like the AI version of bond. It's like AI design. What would be the perfect James Bond? And they develop and they created this character, but he's really just a shell. There's right. not a whole lot happening inside. Yeah. I, I, I yeah, I mean, I think that if if we go back to what the original James Bond is supposed to be, I yeah. think yes, Brosnan fits every hits every point and and fits the bill perfectly, and he is everything that you would want in a James Bond. I think that I just am more drawn to personally the Daniel Craig version of it, which is a much more sure. um. Well, a muscular, but I, not just physically, but muscular in terms of the character is more geared towards somebody who would actually be an assassin and would be running around, jumping, doing a bunch of stuff, well, he, fighting people. He like, feels like a he feels like a person. Like he made him a human being. He made Bond a human being. Yes, kinda. yes, and I and I and I like that. I like that more. And and there's a lot more yeah. backstory in the Craig version. Um, uh, of you know when when you see his love interest in the Craig version, it it is totally you know the first one in Casino Royale is is Vespa and and she or Vesper and she ends up kind of haunting him throughout the rest of the movies and it becomes this whole thing. And I know we're uh, we're we're supposed to be talking about Goldeneye, but I'm I'm I feel the need to preface well, my yeah. feelings of Goldeneye with my view of the um with the view of Daniel Craig's portrayal right. of Bond and and so um you know he's so so going back to Goldeneye I think that this is probably exactly what James Bond is supposed to be like it is supposed mm-hmm. to be kind of fun and loose and a lot of action and a lot of like one liners and I read, I read this whole thing where it says um, Bond, the Bond genre after Craig, feels that that this feels silly in comparison to to the sure. Craig version. It has, right. but but then when I think about it, it has the stereotypical Bond villain with the comical name. It has the one-liners after almost every single death. It has yeah. kind of these sexual innuendos and and sexual conquest at all points in random moments. Um, and another thing that I didn't notice in previous bonds. And I only now notice having watched the Craig versions is that M Q and M Q giving away the gadgets and M uh, Judy Dench's character are throughout all of the Craig movies throughout the plot of each movie like they keep coming in at in in the same way that it would happen in real life they're in some sort of support fashion to what he's doing as compared to the stereotypical bond film from prior to craig was they'd come in for one line here and there go do the thing bond and then he's off on his own like he somehow he leaves russia and i'm jumping around here but he leaves russia and goes to cuba and it's like no one at headquarters knows where he is even commenting on what's going on. And, but I, I'm, I, again, I think I'm too much into, um, the Craig version to kind of watch this objectively and, and, and rate it that way. Um, but right. let's start at the beginning of the movie and, and talk a little bit about the, the opening scene, which I've got to say, I mean, visually stunning. This is probably, I had totally forgotten about this scene. And for those of you who haven't watched it in a while, the, the movie opens with a man, presumably James Bond, it ends up being James Bond, running down a the top of a dam. 
and just well, he's the only one. He gets to the center mm. of the dam, and he does a swan dive off the dam with a bungee cord. And this is not CGI. This is an this is an individual stuntman does this, and the best the film work of it. I don't know how many times I didn't look up to see how many times they had to shoot this. I can't imagine they did it a bunch of times. He they get a great shot of him falling. And then he, you can see the stuntman pull a gun out of his mm-hmm. out of his back pocket as he's falling on the thing, and they get yeah. this shot. It is a, such a stunning shot. It is amazing. I had, I had the same. I had the same thing. I was watching it so closely. Like that was a very, very impressive stunt. And a, and like uh, I, yeah, I gotta say, I think that the thing with Bond movies that's so tricky is the tone. And I think I was thinking about this, watching this, realizing that the Bond franchise, more than any other franchise, really shows you how the action genre has evolved since the 60s. Because if you think about it, you know, Bond has been around since the 60s. Every decade there's new movies. And so you can kind of see how the genre kind of evolved and changed so that like, you know, the, the 60s ones were kind of their own thing and sort of you know, uh, had, you know, that kind of mission impossible era type thing. And right. then you had the seventies where they got a little groovier and kind of, you know, weirder. And then the eighties, I don't really remember the eighties just that they were terrible. <laughs> and then the nineties, which was starting with Goldeneye, which by the way, Martin Campbell, director of Goldeneye also directed Casino Royale. Oh, so really? apparently, yeah, so okay. this is the go-to guy to like reinvent Bond apparently cuz betting and both times he crushed it. Oh, like, he crushed like, it. He yeah. really cuz Casino Royale is spectacular. Oh, I it mean, is. that's it is. Yes. It's a really truly spectacular movie. I think Skyfall is probably my favorite Bond movie and just like that yeah. movie's unreal. But GoldenEye, I think is I was surprised. I was impressed in a lot of ways. I mean, I think first of all, it was just entertaining to watch and on a nostalgic level of having that nineties sort of, you know, action movie feel, but also I really kind of, I really was surprised at how well it, it held up for me and how, how, how well they got, they, they nailed the tone, which is, I think, which is hard because you've got, you, you know, you want to do the like, it's an action movie and you want it to be exciting and, and you want there to be tension and real stakes, but at the same time, it's also, you want it to be, uh, there's a certain level of degree of fun and humor that bond it mm-hmm. needs to have, you know, levity to make it work. And I thought that they really threaded that needle really well in this, in this movie. Like, I think, um, they did a good job of like kind of upping the action for the, for the nineties, you know, and, right. um, and making it, you know, slicker, and but also having I thought, I thought a lot of uh, a lot of humor, but I thought it was, you know, well utilized and it never really to me ever crossed the line into anything too, too absurd. Yeah, um, no, I, I think, think it's straddled good, the line. I think they did a good job of holding that back. I mean, you know, that, you know, that opening scene with the with them f- jumping off and then, you know, and, and can heck- we and can we can we acknowledge sung by. Tina Turner, right? R.I.P. Written, written by yes. That I, I, how how kismet is that? Yes, Tina Turner passes away this week, and and she, uh, yes, she sings it. It's written by The Edge and Bono, the and song Bono, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, in a classic, you know, kind of Bond era, uh, you know, musical number. But um, although I, I I didn't right out of the gate though, I wasn't crazy. I, I was watching it and I went, oh, you know, it's the nineties right away because of with that like trip hop bond, the music of the opening where the and the little ball comes. And I was, I wasn't crazy about that. I was like, I don't know if I like this part. Right. Um, And yeah, I I I, thought the opening sequence, the whole thing from the, from the, from them, from the dive, the bungee jump dive off the dam and then culminating the the preamble part of the of the movie before they get into the song and the everything right. with him jumping oh, off well, or taking a motorcycle off a cliff yeah into Hello, a plane Tom Cruise they they freaking I they, yeah, I totally forgot they, about they that. Him to the punch yes and everybody's like freaking out about Tom Cruise I'm like bitch James Bond already did it yes well, and that Pierce was Brosnan a well but the stunt guy did and he jumped again it wasn't yeah. CGI he literally yeah. took a 
motorcycle off they they sent a live plane off the off the runway and then the motorcycle followed it off the runway again yes. this is we're this is awesome i know we're in a again we've talked about this a number of times with movies that we've watched recently with the with some of the special effects and i i just when they don't have to rely on CGI and they can do it in real life, God, watching some of these stunt guys do this stuff is just amazing. I thought yeah. the opening sequence was really, really good, and I was hooked yeah. from, you know, at that point I was like, okay, I totally forgot how visually good this was. And that continued throughout the entire movie. Um, you know, I wrote down that the plot points of this movie are great. The scenes, a lot of the scenes that they have are visually just tremendous. Um, you know, you immediately move into the Siberian kind of snowstorm uh, satellite place with 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 with. At first, this is one of the things that I laughed about. Is like it's Boris and I. Oh, I was like, it's not Natasha, it's Natalia, but it's Boris and Natalia in Russia, which I was just yep. kind of like, wow, this is very okay. Um, I bet you it was Natasha, and they're like, "Oh shit, we can't." Yeah, heavy-handed, heavy-handed with the uh, the whole uh, yeah. Boris and uh, Natalia um, trope. Played by there, Alan but... Cumming, Boris, Boris played by Alan Cumming, the terrific Alan Cumming. Yes, yeah, and and they and you know, I I thought, um, you know, I thought that was good, um, you know, and then the scene, you know, you move through um, that scene, and and you know, they the the I even thought the the um, the electro, the MP, the electric magnetic pulse idea, which is overdone now, or it was kind of a trope almost. It was done in a lot of different movies from like two, 1995 to like 2005. But I think this was one of the first times that you saw it, and I thought it worked mm-hmm. really well because it wasn't a satellite like from Moonraker that was going to send a laser and like blow everything up, right. but it was just a pulse. Although we are, we are. We are in 1995, the year of the net and hackers. So we we do have that 90s, you know, computer tech. Which I did find it funny that it seems like in these early movies, people really thought computers were just used to pull practical jokes. Yeah. Like it's between this and fucking Jurassic Park with ah uh, ah uh, uh, yeah. you know, and Dennis Nedry. Like it's just. It was there, like apparently all computer like guys are like just these tricksters. Right. <laughs> I don't know. It just made me laugh. Yeah, yeah. That's an archetype that is is pretty specific to that time. Yes. Well, again, and you want to talk about gender dynamics? All of the male uh, uh, computer programmers are like these jokesters, kind of like that are out there, kind of doing stuff and the two women the three women hackers that i can think of that we just talked about in these three movies natalia sandra bullock in in the net and then angelina jolie and hackers are freaking supermodel gorgeous and and they're oh but you know it's so it's a little it's a little uh you know well leave your brain at the door okay exactly well i have a hard time with that as we've seen on many of these episodes um yeah I, i was watching this movie and kind of to the point about like the plot and everything. It, it occurred to me that bond, a bond movie is the only kind of movie I can think of that you can turn any one of them on at any point and you will be able to follow it. You won't have any trouble like hooking into it because it, it's, I mean, it's, it's got such a, such a clear, there's a, there is a formula to it, but it's also just like, this, the archetypes and the characters are so well established and we know like, Oh, she's going to be a baddie. She's going to be, you know, uh, that's a henchman. That's the, you know, that's the villain. You know, you can always kind of tell who's who. And it, like, cause it occurred to me in the beginning of this movie, they really don't, it's a while before they explain like what's happening. Yes. Oh, thank <laughs> because, you. I'm, I'm glad, I'm glad I wasn't the only one. Cause I, I was thinking the same thing. We got through yeah. about 40 minutes of this movie and I was like, yeah. Wow, they really haven't explained anything yeah. that's going well, on right now. Yeah, because there's the whole opening sequence, and then we follow that up with a chase sequence um, where James Bond is with a uh, a woman who's been sent there to evaluate him, I guess, by the agency. <laughs> right. Yeah, that and... was that was clearly the wor- the most misogynistic part of this entire movie was his oh. handling of his performance review, his psychological performance oh, yeah. review, and how he handled that. Yeah. That was so. Yeah. 
but continue. He's a total so total sociopath. Um, so he well he gets into a a car race with a character that I would kind of like to just spend the whole podcast talking about, who is of course Zenya on the top, which I think is maybe the greatest Bond girl name ever. Period. Um, played by none other than the lovely Fomka Jansen. I'm going to say that's who, a bold statement, Matt. The the best Bond what? name. There's some good Bond names out there. You got you got uh, I, Holly Go Lightly. You got uh, you got eh, uh, no imagination. Uh, what's uh, Octopussy? What's what's her name? I, I can't. Is, is, um, Octopussy. Is know. that her name? Uh, I don't know. Well, I feel like it's well. There's. I mean, there's Pussy Galore. Clearly, there obviously, there's there's. Uh, Oh, shit, I'm James Bond fans are listening, going, "You fucking idiots! Yeah. What about Duffy Muffy or something?" But um, no, I, I, I loved. I just, I love that. I mean, Xenia could could be a real name on the top. I mean, it's just, it's so boldly it's, absurd. It's, it's, it, but no. somehow, but somehow, it still, still works. I don't know. Um, I, I'll give you yeah. that. I'll give you that. I didn't catch it at first. I'll be honest with you. When she says it with the accent, and she's, it, I, it kind of, because it sounds like Romanoff or, or kind of like a, it, it has a kind of Russian. Well, you thought it was a real fucking name. So. I didn't think it was a real name. I, it, I, it took me a split second. I'm not, I'm dense, but not that dense. I, I got it. I just was like, for a moment, it was like, it was just another Russian name that I was kind of like, okay, another, you know, it's like whatever the damn, Uberoff is guy from the main bad guy who's the general. Um, right. You know, I just was like, whatever. And then I was like, oh, wait, that, okay. Yeah. All right. That's good one. Got, got us guys. Um, but yeah, no, I, I think that, you know, the, finish your statement. I, I cut you off there. You, you go to the car scene and. Oh, yes. So, yeah. So we go from the opening to this car chase sequence which is not, you know, there's no plot happening. It just introduces the Xenia on the top character. And then we go from that to Bond going to some, like, casino night, like, like kind of place and, like, meeting and meeting up with Xenia on the top at the card table. But, like, it's this long extended sequence, but we don't even know, like, what's happening. And it just occurred to me, I realized that, and I was like, but it doesn't really even matter. And it made me just kind of think about how the how bond movies just they kind of all have that in common of just like you know you know the drill but as part of the joy is to just kind of you know is it's not the not about the plot it's about the trappings really yeah i agree i agree and i and i think but i i think this movie does have a lot of plot in it i don't know that they <laughs> yeah i don't know that they take the time they, they don't take the time to blend it as well like i would love to see this movie they could take out like three or four of those scenes that are like just action scenes and fill mm. them with like more like, cause I think the, the dynamic of, and before I go into that, the cast is fantastic. Oh. I mean, it's a fantastic, yeah. when you look at the actors they have in this movie and I'd forgotten about it, you have Sean Bean, who's the main, yeah. uh, main bad guy. For those of you who don't know, that's Ned Stark. Yeah. Yeah, he's Alec Trevelyan, but that's Ned Stark slash. Uh, oh, I've um, never seen that show. You've never seen Game of Thrones. Who? Okay, well, he's Ned Stark. He's also um, what's his name from Game of Thrones or um, Lord of the Rings? Uh, uh, yeah, Boromir. Boromir. He's Boromir. So those of you who know that's that's who Sean Bean is. He's the main bad guy. You have Pierce Brosnan. You have Robbie Coltrane, who is Hagrid in Harry Potter. Hagrid. He's he's in this. You have um, Judy Dench, Jodon Baker. Jodon Baker is in this movie. I the fact when he showed up in this movie, I about shit myself. I forgot that you're gonna have to you're was, gonna have to help me. Jodon Baker is not one that resonates Jodan with me. Jodon Baker, who plays he plays Jack Wade, who um, is the CIA officer who helps Bond out. He's like his ally. Oh yeah, yes, he, yes. Then the only thing I. I, I mainly know Jodon Baker from one of my favorite episodes of Mystery Science Theater 2000 ever, which was Mitchell, mm -hmm. which was, uh, I guess that was America's answer to James Bond. <laughs> um, but it was, uh, and so, but just to see him in a James Bond movie was just so funny to me. Like, 
I don't know. I just thought that was interesting yeah. casting. Well, the, yeah, and then you have Alan Cummings, which we've already mentioned, and then you have yeah. um, the Xenia Onontop actress, who I can't remember her name. Fomka. Um, Fom- oh, how could you forget Fomka? Every time in the 90s, my, my friends and I, if we went to a movie and we saw her, we'd all go, mm, Fomka. Fomka. But um, she, uh, so I, you just have a an actually terrific cast. An absolutely yeah. wonderful cast that, well, that and Minnie and, Driver makes a, a surprise appearance, which that's was just, right. which is crazy. We were watching I was like, what? Yeah, I go. I, we're watching this girl. I'm like, Lexi goes, "That's Minnie Driver," and I'm like, "Holy yeah. God, it's Minnie Driver! What what is she doing?" And it's bit part, not even you know, yeah, nothing. But no, um, yeah, it's like nothing. It's a nothing part. That was insane. Um, but it's it, getting back to my original point, which is, is you have a wonderful cast. And the plot points are there. I think there are a lot of really interesting plot points in this movie. Um, the the betrayal of of James Bond by his close friend, uh, you know, Sean Bean's character. That you know, yeah. foreshadowing the opening sequence is showing that and how it comes back. Um, how he, you know, then you have the main MacGuffin issue, which is the Golden Eye, and them trying to to prevent that from happening. Um, you know, I, I just think that there's there's a lot of elements there that they could take some time fleshing out in a real movie type way um, that they yeah. don't take, and it's because they're trying. I think they're much in contrast to the Craig versions. They feel beholden to the the style of James Bond that had preceded sure. it. They you know they there are these things that have to happen in a James Bond. You have to do this. You have to do this. You have to do this. That I feel like yeah. Craig had a little um, less um, well, obligation to to kind of do. Well, those I mean, yeah. Well, the Daniel Craig movies they obviously wanted to take it in a little more realistic way and have more depth. You know, it's more psychological and emotional depth, and and it's also you know interesting to point out. I mean, it was this is, and it's funny this this keeps becoming something that I have to like that comes up in a lot of these movies. Looking back, is this is a pre nine eleven world and any and especially in the action genre that's an interesting thing to see just from the 90s to the 2000s to see the post 9-11 and how much that impacted how we make action movies and the whole kind of feeling of it because i think with the craig movies you know the violence felt a little more brutal and it was clearly really kind of born inspired in terms of the fighting and the kind of the, the, the the shaky handheld camera kind of feel and isn't that like a john and, woo but, thing uh, or is that uh, i don't know is it i mean not not necessarily john woo is more like spectacular gun choreography and doves okay but um but uh but yeah so but but very like um but, but yeah clearly born kind of influenced that and very much a, of its time um and it's it's interesting to see that but here this this movie is that's why I kind of liked watching this movie because it, it, it was, um, it had the right, it had, it took itself just seriously enough. I felt like, and, and then, and then, you know, sort of had fun the rest of the time. And like, I mean, the scene with Q is my favorite scene, maybe in the whole movie. Really? When he, when Q shot that fucking wheelchair rocket off, (laughs) I laughed so hard. I just like he instantly drives up in his fucking wheelchair, and he's like, "How'd you hurt the leg? You skiing?" He just fires off a rocket. It just made me laugh. Um, but no, I, yeah, so I love that, and in that whole that whole scene is really absurd, and you know, kind of feels like one of the older you know movies from the sixties or seventies, and and that was really enjoyable. I thought, but then you have judy dench as m which was such a brilliant like inspired choice to cast her and she is like phenomenal yeah I mean, and a very small part i mean part when you think about how little she's on compared to yeah and but but she the little bit that she has really it lingers like you don't yeah. see her for the rest of the movie but what she says and how she performs it, it lingers throughout the movie. Like you can kind of feel it. Um, 
you know, she has this great line yeah. where, and, and I, in reading some of the critics' reviews of the movie, they all talked about how she said that he, he called uh, Bond a misogynistic, sexist dinosaur. Sexist dinosaur, yeah. And it was just, you know, it was it was really, it lingered throughout the movie, even though you, they, you don't really hear from her or talk to her ever again um, in that movie, yeah. but it's, well, it's that's really some, good. It's something, it's something that's really, I think, good that they kind of, brought to the franchise which is this uh, uh, that specifically that line like the fact that they cast judy dench as m and then had her for the first time they're kind of acknowledging the sort of like ugly truth about bond a little bit and kind of it's, it becomes a little self-aware in that moment i really I, which i really liked and obviously that's something they explore in a deeper way in the daniel craig movies you know, but but just I think to me that was like it's a, it was a good sign. Like I thought it was a cool thing to do when they're you know jumping back into Bond in the '90s to have that kind of a moment where a woman like Judy Dench can like say let's let's call a spade a spade here, Bonds. You know, you're a freaking sexist, misogynistic dinosaur. Right. You know, I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, no, I thought it was good too. Um, I, I'm gonna throw something out at you. I'm wondering if you if you felt it during the movie. I I felt at a certain point that the movie had a very comic book feel to it. And I don't mean that, let me rephrase that, not comic book as in superhero, more of like a graphic novel kind of feel to mm-hmm. it. Um, it's particularly the scene where um, Bond is confronted with Alec for the first time. He realizes that Alec is alive and, and it's in this, uh, the old statues of like Soviet... Um, you know, leaders that are kind of discarded in this what looks like a almost like a carnival kind of place yeah. but type of thing. And it's really dark with like light backlight lit stuff and whatnot. And I'm watching I'm looking at it and I'm like, God, yeah. this feels very like almost like Batman, almost this kind right. of comic book look to it. And I was kinda of like, Wow, you know, this is around the same time as as some of those films that were coming out and I wonder if that's kind of being portrayed in this it, or it, if it's kind of uh, uh, through osmosis kind of seeping into the filmmaking style of the time, that this is kind of how they oh, shot yeah. it. Yeah, well, I think, you know, yeah, I think, well, that, you know, the first Batman movie was really, you know, influential visually, I think, um, because it was so huge and so kind of different and dark. Although I that movie, I think, was really inspired by Blade Runner, which was the was the real kind of watershed movie that after Blade Runner, every single movie involved involving like a dystopian or dark sort of noir sort of cityscape was always there's always rain and like that movie was like massively influential. But but I think but yeah, I think this movie is definitely it, you certainly don't associate anything remotely like dark with Bond before this. Like Bond was always just kind of you know, eventually became kind of campy, but it was always just kind of like, you know, almost like, like a John, you know, like a Johnny quest kind of, when I think of Johnny quest. I think of like, he was basically like the little boy, James Bond. Yeah, yeah, no, that's So true. that kind of thing of like, you know, it's, it's more an emphasis on the adventure and not, you know, it's not really tethered to any kind of reality or anything like that. And then this movie kind of, I thought was a little more stylish and a little more, you know, they were, they allowed it to be, like I said, to take itself a little more seriously, but I think just seriously enough, because I don't think they were ready for like the Casino Royale seriousness. No, yet. no, you couldn't. But, but I, I think you hit the nail on the yeah. head with with September 11th as well. I think that yeah. the Casino Royale is a is a reaction to kind of everyone. We all think about spies and the clandestine nature of of intelligence gathering and what you're doing and you know after september 11th it all becomes very much very real whereas yeah. james bond was couched in the whole you know the the cold war which yeah. after 40 years became kind of a you know it wasn't as real as you know by the end yeah. of it it really wasn't that real and, and we should say that this is the first movie post berlin wall soviet union collapsing which Right. Um, which they they wove right into the plot. Um, it's also right because it starts in the USSR, right? Um, it's also the first movie uh, to not be based off of one of uh, Ian Fleming's novels. Oh, uh, and it okay. was it was written yeah. 
it was a screenplay written by Broccoli um, and, 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 and some other writers, but it was not based off of one of the films. Sorry, I just want—I just have to acknowledge the absurdity of that sentence. I can't, I can't broccoli. move on. <laughs> what, what me saying that was written by broccoli? It was written. Well, of course, it was written by broccoli. Yes. And I'm just and, and, of course, and, and other I vegetables. Know, and I other know vegetables. who you're referring to, but <laughs> I, the average listener would would probably think you like, oh, Jeff just kind of briefly lost his mind there yes, for a moment. Just broccoli. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> Matt, why don't you tell broccoli? Explain <laughs> oh, the broccoli comment. <laughs> broccoli. Oh lord. Oh. But okay. I mean, it's yeah, it's well, absurd that that their name is broccoli. That's you know, yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Anyways, um, let's talk about some of the scenes because I, I think um, mm. you know, there's a lot of scenes in this movie that I thought were really good. Um, obviously, the opening yeah. scene to me that that whole sequence was amazing. Um, the tank scene, the tank chase scene, which is absurd, but so absurd that it, it kind of works. Um, the, and I, I wrote down what can they, like, basically the stunt people and the movie guys were just like, Hey, we got this tank. What can we drive it through? And they just proceeded to try to find as many different ways to drive a tank through things. It was walls, statues, bottles, trucks, cars. It was whatever they could could run over. They did it. I truly want to know how many Russians died uh, that day. (laughs) Um, Because my favorite thing about that sequence is that Bond is driving the tank just like it's a normal car. Like it's it's a car chase, but one of the cars happens to be a tank. Yes. Like yes. It, yes. It does. He, he. This is this man is. He never for one second drives that thing. Like, oh wait, it's a fucking tank. And Maybe he, I should like take this corner a little slower. No, he just plows through everything as if he's just driving a normal car. Well, not only it that, was hilarious. Not only that, but there's two other points about this that you're 100 percent right. Every <laughs> other movie I have ever seen with a tank, the tank yeah. is much slower than this tank yeah. this tank has yes. got nitrous on it or something Fastest he is fucking tank yes, ever built he is it is moving that tank it is spinning I'm out not, he's turning he's doing wheelies in the he's just like I, I know and i don't know i don't know a lot about tanks okay i'm not a tank expert but i my feeling was, or my, I, I thought that you piloted the tank from inside yes. the tank. Yes, that, that was my second point. You weren't able to reach the fucking steering wheel standing up out of the top of the tank. He's I, that driving doesn't it seem like, possible. He's driving it like he's he's like a like a teenager out of out the sunroof of a limousine. Like he's just, you know, yes. he's it's it's yeah no the whole thing and you know not to mention he he's out he's. He's standing up, as you said, outside of this oh my God. tank, going through walls, but, and like, and yes. then he would just like pop and down I, for like five seconds, leave it open, and come up, and like, it was just, it was. Uh, and he causes he causes so many crashes. And my favorite part about this scene was there are some spectacular crashes in the sequence, and these cars get mangled in such a way that no human being could survive. Yes. And then they, they, but they make a point to show every single one of these cars, the dr- the passengers escape from it completely unharmed. Yes. And it's one of the funniest things ever, because there's one moment in, in the movie, or there's several moments really where a car is, I mean, it is annihilated. It's just absolutely annihilated. I know and then we scene. cut back to the same wreckage and we see a man come out of it just like, whoa, what was that? Like, what yeah. happened? You guys okay? Have you ever like, seen a crane come through like that? Yeah. It, or a tank come through like that? What the heck's going on? Just to like be like, hey, nobody dies. Like, nobody, it's, it's okay. Yeah, no, I it, it reminds me of um, the movie Gone in 60 Seconds. Um, you know, there's this scene where, again, a car chase and a wrecking ball hits a police car right. and knocks it through a cement wall. And yeah, the police officer is perfectly fine, and they yeah. at least acknowledge it. One of the characters walks up and says, "Are you okay? Are you okay?" And he goes, "Because you just got hit through a wall. 
like, and it was like right. they were acknowledging the absurdity of it oh. in it. And I think that they're kind of although doing this, this tongue in cheek. Although this is that is the same movie where Nicolas Cage jumps the entire length of a bridge, I believe. Yes. Um. So yeah. So that's what we're dealing with in there. Well, but anyway. Um. So yeah, I think that the that tank scene was pretty good. But I think my, f- you know, another visually just amazing scene in the Bond films, especially since I, I will say this, I, I don't feel like you see this with the older Bond, the pre-GoldenEye Bond films. Um, but the GoldenEye on, they are just visually stunning. They go to some amazing places, and they get these great kind of classic scenes of, and I'm thinking of what is supposed to be Cuba. They shot it in Puerto Rico, but it, it was supposed to be Cuba. And the scene where the, the, the uh, satellite dish comes up out of the lake like that is a Mm. terrific plot point it is wonderful and and to visually watch it is amazing it's it's just a great um it's just a great visual of of to to watch it i mean it it, and um, well they had like a bigger scope on this one i think it felt it felt um felt like they gave him a little bit more money for this one yeah I, I thought it was i thought it was really well done i think the scene another great visual scene is watching the two of them slide down what is supposed to be the satellite dish concave surface mm-hmm. where they slide down visually just yep. wonderful um to kind of watch um so yeah i thought it i thought it was uh you know i thought those things kind of hold held up um you know one one little again check your brain at the door part of this and and again i just can't get my head out of this um but so they they escape the train right they're on the train bond's solution to saving natalia is to fire a tank to shoot the tank at the moving train and then let the train crash into the tank with the presumption that everyone's going to be fine and that right. she, he's going to go and like, okay, so that's one thing, but he saves her of from course. that. Right. They get out of that. Wonderful. Yeah. Fantastic. Um, now the, the bad guys have gotten away with the thing that, that with Goldeneye, with the keys to be able to go and do their plot, do their dastardly deeds. And yeah. then from that point on bond and Natalia, like go on a love vacation. To <laughs> like, they, go on vacation. they go on a vacation uh, in which Pierce Brosnan at one that. point is sitting. It's like they just went out to have a nice candlelight dinner and they walk yeah. down the beach and he's sitting on the beach <laughs> at dusk and she comes over to con- like have this emotional conversation. <laughs> and I'm sitting I here know. going, wait a second. <laughs> Goldeneye, they're out there. What are you doing? And, and they're not. They're just, he's like, they're not taking a day off. Go fucking get right. them. Just like, but they could have, here's the thing is that uh, in my brain, I came up with a perfectly good solution. I'm like, oh, they could say the satellite's not back in range for another 48 hours or something. So that we need to, you know, they can't do anything until blah, blah, blah. But it's like, you know, let's unplug for a little bit. Let's, you know, let's just right. take a, take a breath. Or we know where they are, but this, we can't let them know. Like they could have had something that provided them with this this interlude where they could do but not only that did you see what she was where they just got out of a train wreck car crash almost death like 20 times this lady has the, natalia has almost yeah. been killed like a hundred times in the last like what feels like 15 minutes and she yeah. they cut to her in cuba and She's wearing like a sundress, and they're giggling yep. and laughing and driving. I mean, they look like it looks like a scene out of Thomas Crown Affair, where where <laughs> seriously, it, and and you're like, well, wait a second, you're supposed. <laughs> what are you doing? Go <laughs> like, yeah. so the scene felt totally out of place. It felt like a scene that should have been at the beginning of the movie, it, when right. when the action hadn't ramped up. Like I felt like it was like the action was ramping up, ramping up, ramping up, and then it was like. Row. And it was like we're gonna go take yeah. this big interlude with no explanation, and so that one was yeah. kind of I was like, whoa, what what happened here? Oh, the scene there! I love the scene where uh, Bond and Natalia are are strapped into the helicopter, 
and they've fired missiles that are like in a redirect yes, to blow them up. I do and like the this. only way Bond can rescue them is by smashing things with his face. Yes, that was like that was I enjoyed that scene. As uh, you know, he has to use his face to like hit the um the ejector button, but um it takes him a while and he's just bashing Bond is just bashing his face right. into the controls constantly to try to rescue them. That was funny. Yes. I like that scene. I, I, I did like that scene too. I mean, Bond straight up murders Sean Bean. You know, like yes, just, caught him, <laughs> caught him just to have it. It was, it was a very sinister, and psychopathic say, kind of move. That that moment was kind of, was genuinely shocking. Like I actually like gasped when he's holding him by the foot and he's like, "For England, James," and he goes, "No, for me." And then he fucking lets go of him and he screams as he falls to his death. I was like, "Oh!" And he didn't shit. die. Yo, that's Remarkably. right. No, that's right. So you're right. The the satellite killed him. Bond didn't kill him. Bond didn't the kill satellite him. Satellite when it when it landed on. Him. But I but I, I agree that was kind of um it was kind cold of cold blooded. Yes, cold but but psychotic a little bit. Like he he went right. out of his he kicked him, and he kicked him to his death. But then Bond right. decided to grab him, just to be able to look him in the eye, and tell him, yeah. "I'm now going to kill you." Like it was just kind of like. Yeah. Sadistic. Yeah, yeah, it was. It was very, you know, for, and and I don't feel like it. I don't feel like they set up why. Like he, it's not like Sean Bean. I mean, yes, Sean Bean's been trying to kill him, but that's job hazard. I mean, come on, you guys are trying right. to kill everybody all the time, so like that shouldn't be a reason to be like yeah, really personally upset. But like Sean Bean's whole character and backstory has a, a reason for doing what he's doing. His parents, his dad committed suicide and shot his wife. And it was a very, again, my point on the plot point, there's a lot of plot point there that they don't fully really get at. Um, he has that. They never explained to me what, what did Sean Bean do to James Bond other than survive and, I guess be... he betrayed him. He yeah, but, lied to but, him. But betrayed in what way? He betrayed him um, by I, I don't know. He violated the double O the MI six code. I I don't know. You, you, yeah, you, it's that's a good question. Do you know what I'm saying? I like, think his, his, his hatred of him. It, I don't seems see, a little unwarranted. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, his yes. Thank you. That's exactly what I wanted to say. His his the reason for catching something like at the and I think the why it was shocking to you is because it's not like in any other film where the bad guy was so bad to right. an individual that you're kind of like glad that the that they get their just dessert. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. Sean Bean's whole character is the very punish, the punishment didn't suit the crime. <laughs> yes, exactly. So, um anyways, so one thing I did want to talk to you about is just this and and we kind of touched on it a little bit, which is the um I think one of the problems with all Bond films, and even and this goes to actors who play Bond, is that mm. you are always compared to all of yeah. the other Bond films. Like you're not, sure. you don't get the benefit. It's the same. So I would imagine it's similar to Batman now that you've done so many different yeah. Batmans or Spider Mans or any of these films where you've had multiple iterations of them. It's like you you you're kind of tied to um you're kind of tied to the past because there are yeah. things that people want to see in those characters that were done previously right but and then you're also kind of held up against those as a standard and not looked at like I think that's what's happening with Craig a little bit cuz one of the things I was looking up I was like I was going to ask this question I was thinking you know like who's the better bond like who's your favorite bond um and I everywhere I looked, everyone picked Brosnan oh. over Craig. Every single person. Really? Yeah. I find that surprising. See, Do you? Because every I so think, did I. But everything that I read so chose Brosnan over Craig. Yeah, no. I for I mean, it's Craig all the way for me. I think that um, I mean, Connery was the original, and he was obviously great. But I mean, it wasn't until Daniel Craig that I actually like, you know cared a, about the character really and like like no i mean it's not you know spoiler alert but in the in the last one no time to die when he dies i was like genuinely affected by it yeah and like that's totally because of him and totally because of what he brought to the part and i think that you know uh, pierce brosnan like i said i think 
aesthetically, he's the perfect Bond. Like, when I think of James Bond, I think of Pierce Brosnan, to be honest. But that's just because I think he was our Bond, like he was the one we grew up with. Right. So that's why I immediately kind of associate him, even though I know Daniel Craig is the best. Right. When I think of the character of James Bond, like in a in a dictionary or something or an encyclopedia, I imagine seeing Pierce Brosnan's picture. You know? Yeah, no, it's but, a chat um, GPT version version of, of Bond. It's like what a computer, like you said, yes. it's what AI would come up yes. with if you said draw a picture of Bond. It would be Pierce Brosnan. Yeah, and I think he and I think he's, he does the job. I mean, I think ultimately he just doesn't have quite the same gravitas that Daniel Craig has or like the the um, the, the depth really, I think, is the thing is it's not necessarily because he's a fine actor. It's just Daniel Craig has something a little bit more. Well, yeah, right. and I and I read somewhere yeah. where somebody said that, you know, Pierce Brosnan didn't get the quality of movies that they're not talking about Goldeneye. They're talking about the, the three <laughs> movies after right. which, which were just kind of really bad. Um, right. But that they're saying that Pierce Brosnan didn't get the benefit of the qual- high-quality movies that Craig got. Right. But I would make the argument that Craig also benefits, that Brosnan is, and we see this in Goldeneye, Brosnan is kind of a stepping stone. He, You had to go through, and we talked about it with Judy Dench calling him a, a misogynist, sexist, sexist dinosaur. You yeah. see it with uh, Brosnan sits down for one of the, um, in uh, the scene where he's being interrogated in Russia with Natalia, mm-hmm. and he, the guy yeah. comes straight out and asks him, you know, uh, you know, the, what's going on, and he kind of, half jokingly says you know see that's the problem today no one does a good old-fashioned interrogation mm. and you right. know they're winking at the that whole thing so it's kind of acknowledging you know but they felt beholden and obligated to hit these kind of classic bond notes which is the the kind of i'm gonna you know uh hit on all the women and i'm gonna sleep with you know, girls and I'm going to, you know, have no affection and just kill indiscriminately and all this stuff that without the depth. And I think that you needed to go through this kind of half step with, with bond and Brosnan to get to Craig where you could get a more full kind of picture of what a guy like James Bond would actually look like if he was a real person. Yeah, definitely. I, I, I think, um, I'm, I'd be really, I'm really interested to see where they're going to take the Bond character because it's, it's, you know, thinking about Bond is it, it's because it's a little different than like Batman, I think. Just like Bond is, I think the thing about Bond is that he's so tied to like kind of an old, like an idea of masculinity that is of a different time. And now, obviously, we're in a very different world than we were in the early 60s. So that is going to affect how Bond is portrayed. And I think obviously Daniel Craig, we see that the kind of more of the uh, recognition of some of like the not so great aspects of the character, the hypocrisy, the sexuality, that kind of stuff. These movies are are kind of acknowledging that. I think that is just going to get more complicated as time goes on, I think, because in so many ways, this character is kind of, it's kind of an old, it's, you know, it's an old fashioned character. Yeah. So I'm, I'm interested to see like they, they seem like it. they would they would be willing to evolve with the time because they kind of have if you look at the movies. So I'd be I'm just interested to see what they do next with them because I, I can imagine after Daniel Craig era what what's next. Like it's I don't know it's kind of like well I think the sky's the limit. I think you can do anything. I think that's the beauty of it is that they've kind of they've Daniel Craig and the movies that they've done have have moved the genre out of the obligation to kind of hit those those kind of tired notes and they can kind of make let the character go wherever they want um yeah. which is kind of liberating. I I I did read something that was fascinating and I think that I want to get your opinion on it cuz I don't know if you've ever heard it. Uh Quentin Tarantino said that he would love to do a James Bond film and he would shoot it in black and white and set it in the 60s. And I was like, I thought that sounded awesome. I was like, God, I would love to see that movie to kind of take it back. I think that would be a cool way to do the Bond. Because one of the things that they've always done with Bonds is it's always been in the here and now. The character's always been current, like present day. 
Um, it would be great to do one where they just said, we're going to go back and do Bond in the 60s and just right. make it almost make it a period piece and just say, we're going to yeah. do it back in the 60s and it's going to be USSR, but but more realistic, where they didn't use, where the silencer and Dr. No was just silence. Yeah. Maybe they'll just go back and remake start with dr no and just do them all over again <laughs> you know oh god i don't know if i want to do that maybe but but um <laughs> but maybe but, but the sky's the limit they can do whatever they want all right um so uh i i i don't know if you've convinced me that golden eye holds up I, i'm not ready to okay. say that but i'm not really say that it doesn't i'm i'm gonna okay. i'm gonna give it a i'm gonna give it a yeah I'm, I'm going to give it an okay. It, 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 you know, it, I'm going to give it a meh. Okay. Yeah. That's what I'm going to give it. Um, sure. All right. Well, uh, what uh, we got to pick the next one, don't we? Yeah. I, okay, I will say I've I'm working on, been working on this list, and I've kind of expanded the list a little bit. Oh, my God. Because I think uh, – well, I think initially – I wasn't sure how to choose the movies because you were saying, let's do how, you know, does it hold up? So in my mind, I'm thinking, well, we'll, we'll just watch movies that from that we watch as a kid, but we don't remember all that well, because like the right. ones that obviously hold up, why would we do those? But then I started thinking, I realized, well, why not do some of those? Yeah. So I've included a few movies on here that are, are like really good. I basically settled on anything that we saw that was kind of a touchstone of our childhood even if it was, you know, an obvious like good movie, I include on the list. So I've I've expanded it considerably. So there's more. So hopefully we'll, we won't just be getting like weird, <laughs> you know, not so great movies. Just you might actually get snapshots some- of our psyches of our of our childhood right. psyches that no one gets gets. We can actually do films that everyone saw, so that when we're talking about yes. them, it's all in their head. They know what we're talking about yeah. instead of yeah. That's yeah. I thought I thought it was a, a you know different approach you know to try to make something the audience can follow and you know understand. I thought you know I was thinking, you know, it's a, I know it's a bold choice, but you know. Oh no, I think but we're that's all we're about bold. Oh, and I will say this: we didn't talk about it. There was a nun in this, I think. Oh, was there Natasha or Natasha oh. Natalia goes and oh, meets Boris in the say. Russian into the Russian Jesus. Orthodox Church. Uh, right, and there was an old woman, an old lady being in the pew, a, but I don't remember if she was a nun. See, I don't know, but she was wearing a like a a habit, what looked like a habit, a black shawl right. over her head, and I thought, oh, that may be a yeah, nun. You know I what? don't know, but I'm giving I'm gonna, it a nun. I'm, yeah, let's give it a nun. I'll give it a nun. We're giving it one nun. Um, so yeah, we got a we got a one and a half nuns. Here. Conspiracy continues. One, one and a half nuns here on on does it hold up? All right, we're gonna pick the next movie for next episode. Matt, do you have the list ready? Okay, I do indeed. All right, how many numbers do we have again? Now that you've added some. Uh, well, okay. Well, here's the here's a should I I also I still have them separated by eighties and nineties. Let's maybe, just combine them all. I should just combine them. Um, that will be too complicated to do right now. Well, let's not but, do that right now. Um, we'll just do another 90s. Okay. And, and Okay, let's do the 90s. How many numbers do we have in the 90s? Uh, right now, it is up to 223. 223. All right. Well, I'm going to pick one from the upper half because those are all the new ones okay. that weren't in the others. So we're going to go with 198. 198. Let's see. 198 is none other than Starship Troopers. Starship Troopers. Starship Troopers, the Paul Verhoeven-directed uh, alien bug movie that actually was a, a satire about fascism. <laughs> well, that's all right. There's, wow. I don't need this, that. You've just, this one, what do we need to talk about? You just nailed it right there. Oh man, no! I'm I'm super excited to watch that. I, this one was this was I remember this one being kind of a big deal at the time. Yeah, when it came out. What year I remember is this? A lot of anticipation. This is ninety seven. Okay. Ninety seven. Okay, ninety seven. Uh, right. And I remember, yeah, I remember being very excited and going to the movies, and it was not what we were expecting, but I think we still I we still enjoyed it. <laughs> Um, wow. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I'm be- excited about seeing this one because I would have been 13, oh, yeah. 14 when this came out. And yeah, I was 12. And so I, I 
think it probably was lost on me. I'm, I'm, your ex- explanation of it makes me really want to watch this again. So, all right, all right, Starship Troopers oh, is the yeah. next episode that we're gonna do. So, um, be a good one. All righty. Well, uh, Matt, as always, another good one. We 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 nailed it. Um, and uh, that we cracked the code. We did. And uh, we we'll, should. We might as. Well, I mean, we might as well write the next Bond movie. I don't know. I I, I could definitely not do that. But I, I have I would have some opinions on it. So, um, all right, Matt. Until uh, until next time, we'll chat again soon. All right, buddy. <laughs>